Hey everyone, this is Timmy Eaton, host of this Golden Hour podcast. Let me take a brief moment and tell you about a free ebook course I've created, as well as a free live training I'm hosting on March 28th, 2024 at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Links for the ebook course and the live training are in the show notes of each episode of the podcast. So many new homeschool parents and parents who are thinking of pulling their kids out of school have asked me about how to get started homeschooling. They feel really overwhelmed and unsure about how to begin. And I've seen most of these families make the mistake of wanting someone to tell them exactly what to do and what stuff to get. And that's just backwards because every family is so different and has unique values, priorities, lifestyle, and children. That's why I created this free ebook course to help you take the first step of customizing your family's homeschool plan. Click the link in the show notes and you will have this ebook course in your inbox in moments. Also, on Thursday, March 28th, 2024, I will be holding a free live training at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time where I will introduce the framework I use to help you tailor a homeschool plan that fits your family. Click the link in the show notes to register for this free live training. I'd love for you to join this training. Finally, listen to episode 55 titled Free Live Training and Free Ebook Course, where I give more details about the live training and the ebook. Thanks, everybody. But I always tell the kids, I'm like, if you can read well, if you can articulate your thoughts, if you can write well, then you can do anything. Mm. And so, you know, I'm like, maybe we're not big science buff people, but if you can read really well and understand and ask the right questions and draw out information... You can study and learn anything. Hi, I'm Timmy Eaton, homeschool father of six and doctor of education. We've been homeschooling for more than 15 years and have watched our children go from birth to university successfully and completely without the school system. Homeschooling has grown tremendously in recent years and tons of parents are becoming interested in trying it out. But people have questions and concerns and misconceptions and lack the confidence to get started. New and seasoned homeschoolers are looking for more knowledge and peace and assurance to continue homeschooling. The guests and discussions on this podcast will empower anyone thinking of homeschooling to bring their kids home and start homeschooling. And homeschoolers at all stages of the journey will get what they need and want from these conversations. Thank you for joining us today and enjoy this episode of this Golden Hour podcast as you exercise, drive, clean, or just chill. You're listening to this Golden Hour podcast. In today's episode, we get to spend time with Renee Broadhead from Arkansas and Allison Broadhead from Texas. Renee and Allison are sisters-in-law who married brothers, and neither of them thought they would ever homeschool. Allison has been homeschooling several years longer than Renee and has older children, so Renee is thankful to have Allison as a mentor. In our conversation, we jump from topic to topic with no particular flow, including world schooling, game schooling, homeschooling with babies, and trying to shed the conventional mindset around when kids should read and subjects they should know at certain ages. I especially enjoyed our discussion about when homeschool kids should go to bed and get up and what nights and mornings are like. Renee and Allison both agreed that it is helpful to hear about other homeschoolers' failures to learn how they work through them. Welcome back to another week of this Golden Hour podcast, and we have with us today Allison and Renee, who are sisters-in-law. Allison is from Texas, and Renee is living in Arkansas. And why don't you guys both just give us a little bio of yourselves? I said where you're from right now, but you could give any background you want and your kids or like what you do, anything you want to say. So Allison, why don't you start and then we'll have Renee. Okay. So yeah, I'm from Texas. I was born and 
raised here. We have four children. My oldest is 18, almost 19. I've got a 17-year-old, 13-year-old girl, and then a 10-year-old. So all boys and then the one girl. Awesome. And so I guess homeschooling-wise background, I never thought my wildest dreams had homeschool. Never. <laughs> <laughs> I was a public school kid. I went to college, loved college, loved college. Never really was like a school kid. I didn't. In, in Texas? All in, in Texas. Texas. Yeah. yeah, all in Texas. Yeah. But yeah, I never thought I would homeschool my kids. Actually started out when my oldest was probably two or three. My husband's he reads constantly. He loves to read and was reading a lot of neuro books on neurology and learning and how kids learn. And we just, we didn't love the idea of public school. I'm not good public school, but we no. didn't love the idea. And so I I started actually, I had a friend that was a Montessori teacher. And so I really started diving into Montessori education and ended up putting my son in a Montessori preschool oh, and cool. just fell in love with it, fell in love with the way that they taught kids and stuff. And he was just like four uh, or three or four or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They start young and really loved it. But as time went on and I had to move him into a school and the price is not cheap. <laughs> and so I was just like, oh, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can do this. We got married young. We got married in college. We didn't have a lot of money. And oh. so I just, I wasn't sure. I didn't think we could afford it. And so I thought, okay, we'll do, we'll go ahead and do public kindergarten. And we made it till about May and <laughs> I yanked him out. Like I just, <laughs> I wasn't loving it. I wasn't loving it. So I went ahead and I bit the bullet. I put him in a Montessori school. I forked out the money. We really crunched and stuff to do that. I had three other kids and I'm looking down the road going, I, I can't. How are we going to afford this? Yeah. Yeah. We can't afford this for how many years with four kids. And luckily at the time, my, my 17 year old, my second son, he, he was entering the the preschool age. So we had him in a preschool and I knew I didn't have the money to move him into the Montessori school with his brother. And luckily, lo and behold, a family from New York moved down to Texas. I won't mention their name. And his wife decided to start a co-op, half homeschool, half private school. And yeah. it was really cheap. And I put him in and that was my first taste of homeschool. I had to do three days at home educating and then the rest, he was there. And my daughter eventually went there. My oldest son started phasing out of Montessori about the time the co-op was shutting down. And mm. so here I had this choice. What, what do we do? Do we homeschool full-time or do we do we go back to public school? And I presented to the kids. My husband and I talked about it and we just didn't want to go the public school route. Most in kindergarten. And the thing that bothered me a lot is he was there for seven hours a day and then he had homework. Yeah. And I kept thinking, when are we a family? Like, yes. when do we do stuff as a family? And I, and obviously when my kids were in that co-op, I met some amazing women. I started meeting families that were full-time homeschool and the stories that they had, the, the adventures they went on as a family, the relationships their kids had. I just, I fell in love with that. And I thought, I don't know if I can teach my kids. I'm not a certified teacher, but I loved that idea. I loved the idea of being together as a family, learning together. And, and then I started diving into Charlotte Mason. Oh, cool. Oh, man. She just won me over. I was just like, oh, we got to do this. And yeah, so we jumped in. We've been doing it now nine. It's our ninth year. So, wow. yeah. So real quick, before I let Renee do a, an intro, I'm just curious, you, you you said it wasn't until May that you're like, okay, no more. What happened? You mentioned like, it was all that time, but was there any other reason? Or you just, man, I just want more family time. Yeah, there's some educational 
differences when you'd have a parent-teacher meeting and I'd say something to the teacher and she would just be like, oh, you're ruining your child. You can't teach your child that way. Don't do that. We don't teach, we don't teach that way here. And so I had some stuff like that. And then in Texas, I know every state and even countries are different with education, but in Texas at the time, you could only miss so many consecutive days. And then they haul you in front of like, the school board or the court or whatever it is. So you get truancy and all this stuff. Even if you like send a letter and we were going to take the kids to Disney World and they were like, you can't miss five days of school or we send the truant officer out of you and you've got to pay. It just became this huge thing. And I thought, that's wild. He's in kindergarten. Does it matter? Yeah. So that happened. And I just, and I got sick of the homework. I'm like, you're in kindergarten. We were just doing tons of homework. And yeah, I just, I think just everything was just one domino after the next. And finally, I just said, okay, we got to do it. It was a combination of things. That is, that's crazy. It's, It's, I am fascinated more and more that we have to ask for permission for things we want to do with our kids. Now, I get it. If you enroll your kid in something and you do that by your own volition, then you have to abide by their stuff. But I don't know. It feels weird to ask a school if I can take my kid on vacation, especially when they're in kindergarten. Anyway, cool. We'll come back. We'll come back to that. Renee, like just, and Renee is, we knew each other from a long time ago. I used to teach Renee when she was just a young biscuit in high school. And now she's got six children of her own. So Renee, give us some background. And just maybe just like Allison did, after you gave a little bit of bio, say how you got started with homeschool. What was your first exposure and how'd you make the decision? All right. So yeah, um, we live in Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas, Walmart world. That's where we Ooh, live. Awesome. Um, <laughs> we have six kids, ages 11 to almost one. Um, yeah. So how we got thrown into homeschool I had always like my friend homeschooled and I was like oh that sounds good the freedom of it and like finding your own schedule but I was like I think with everyone that homeschools like I can never homeschool like so overwhelming huh have my kids like have my kids with me 24 7 not getting a break <laughs> like I could never do that and then in 2019 we made the decision to like sell everything and travel the U.S. in a travel trailer. So then obviously we had to pull our kids from public school and homeschool. And so we were thrown into homeschool that way. Is that when you were living up in Washington or something? Or No, we lived in Utah. Yeah, we went from Utah to here between after traveling. Oh, okay. So yeah, we were thrown into homeschool that way. And then um, like myself and the kids just fell in love with it and continued after we found a house and yeah, anyways, we just fell in love with it and continue to homeschool. Wow, that's amazing. So did your so did you I missed a little bit of that. So did your kids did they did some go to school before? Oh yeah. So I my oldest were in second grade and then my second were in, he was like halfway through kindergarten. So we right. yeah, pulled them in second in kindergarten. That's interesting because you said you were thrown into it because just by decisions you made and then it just naturally yeah. evolved into that. And so how long, so it's been since 2019 that you've been doing kind of concentrated homeschool? Yes, 2018, yeah. Wow. And how, I mean, you said you liked it, but like, how's it Yeah, we love it. And I mean, I constantly, not constantly, but like every year we reassess, do you guys want to go back to public school? Yeah. Like, how are you feeling? And they're all like, no, why would we want to spend eight hours in school when we can do it in three (laughs) hours? And um, we see the kids hop off the bus in the neighborhood and they're like, they're just getting home from school now and I'm like yeah see and then you have chores and then you have homework and then like dinner and it's bedtime like you have no time to do anything and so like we give them the option 
if they want to go back to public school, but they have no desire. Oh, that's interesting. And and what about you guys, Allison? How have you year by year? How do you approach it? Oh goodness, I'm definitely someone that reassesses every year. I probably change our schedule every year, but it also I think because I have older children. So the first one turns 16 and gets a job, and so obviously their schedule conflicts conflicts with the little kids, and so we're always adjusting every year. Last year, my my son got a job at Chick-fil-A and being a homeschooler, they wanted him to work during the day. So we lost him during the day and then he'd come home after work and we would do stuff. So we're always adjusting schedules as the kids are growing into new phases in life. And I think you do have to be flexible as a homeschooler. I'm pretty A-type personality. I like schedules and stuff, but yeah. I understand also that I really have to be flexible with these kids and and their time and their opportunities that that this life affords them. So oh, that's a good point. Like we're in a very similar situation. We have our oldest is nineteen and it goes down to uh, ten. And so we're same situation. You have to be able to adapt and deal with new stages. And it's always surprising how different the stages can be. So I love what you're saying about you being able to adjust when you, especially when you like systems and schedules, right? When yeah. you so have do you guys. I'm just thinking on the top of my head, like you guys are sisters-in-law. Do you share stuff or is it more like you operate alone or do you guys have your own little communities that you're a part of where you live or? Um, so Allison is my mentor. No. <laughs> I text no. all the time. Like, how do you do this? How do I navigate this? Cause she's been doing homeschool a lot longer than me. She's like steps ahead of you. So she, you get to glean from her experience. Yeah. Yeah. Very totally. cool. Um, so yeah, when I'm like in a hiccup or, a new curriculum I've seen. I'm like, have you seen this one yet? What do you think of this one? So we had definitely, yeah, chat back and forth. I'm like in that kind of a way. Yeah. Can you think, Renee, of a specific example of something you were like, Allison, how are you dealing with this? Or what do you think about this? Have you, can you think of a specific situation, you guys, where you had to talk through? And I love what you said about mentor, because I think that is an essential like principle of homeschooling. Everybody needs somebody that's a little ahead so you can communicate back and forth. But any specific examples that you guys can think of? I mean, I always, math is so hard for me. I never like grew up loving math mm-hmm. and was very good at it. Um, so, I mean, when I was teaching my, like they're learning long division and I'm like, how do you teach them long division? Like yeah. I show them the steps, it's not clicking. And so she like taught me like break it down and everything. But so that was one example that I can think of was long cool. division. Cool. And I think it goes back to like her Montessori school things where you use like the manipulatives and stuff like that and just trying to get like the way that the child learns. And I'm slowly like learning that and understanding each of my kids and how they learn and what works for one doesn't work for the other. And uh, I love that. I love that. I love the the picture you're painting of just like the working with your children one-on-one and just grappling with them. I was just talking, Sara was just telling me today that, so like our kids, like I said, range right now, because two are gone and are university age and, and serving missions and stuff. And we have four at home. So it's 16 down to 10. But every day, the way that Sara has done it over the last 15 years, she's had this pattern of, especially as they've gotten older, they do some things on their own. And then they do some things that together, like even as to the very end of their homeschool life, they do something together every day. Right now, they're learning something about engines and how they function. And she was just saying today, again, like how 
you just as a mom or, or a dad homeschooling, you just learn so much with your kids and the stuff that you thought you had an understanding of, you just relearn and reemphasize. Have you guys found that? Have you found that like, oh my goodness, like, I don't even realize how much I didn't understand when I went through my own situation. Yeah, 100%. I was going back to math, like I'm sitting here counting on my fingers, right? And I'm trying to teach them not to do that. And then, like, I have to relearn with them. And I'm like, hey, I feel like catching on my multiplication. I can like throw it out there now. Whereas before I was not good at math and just history and things like that. I'm learning right along with them. Whereas I don't know if I just didn't pay attention in high school, didn't remember things like that, but I am learning right along with them and actually loving it. I knew I buy a new curriculum or something else to learn. And I'm like, oh, we should do this. We should do this. And then having to remember, like, you can't do everything all at once. <laughs> I know. Yeah. What about you, Allison? Do you find that like your own learning has been enhanced a little bit or? Oh yeah. 100%. It's just, I probably get so giddy when I learn something. My kids are probably like, oh my gosh, my mom's a nerd, <laughs> but it's so fun. And it it really is. I think what's really fun. And I'm sure this having older kids, my boys are so much smarter than I am. And so I love we do because we do Charlotte Mason. And so we read a lot of books and then we do a lot of Socrates discussions and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. they'll pin me in a corner. And I'm like, you guys are bullying me. Come on, <laughs> just teasing them and stuff. I'm learning with them. And I'll think I'm, oh, I'm so smart. I'm going to share this great insight on Shakespeare. And my son will look at me and go, no, mom, look at it this way. And so it's really cool to not only learn beside them, but as they get older, they start to see things different than you see things. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing. Or we'll be uh, doing some science thing and, and I'm not a science person. And so I'll just be just, okay, these are the facts. This is what you do. And then they're like, no, mom, look, you can do it this way. Or what if you manipulate it to do this? And so it is fun to learn alongside them, but I think it's so cool as they get older too, and they start teaching you things and they view things different than you. And so then they make you think in a way you haven't before. And so it's really cool to learn beside them and then watch them grow and challenge you as well, which is just, it's been so fun. I just, I love these teenage years. It's just, you plant that tree and you finally get the fruit. It starts bearing that fruit and it's just awesome, I feel like. so. That's really cool. I love how you said that. I love when they grasp a concept and you're like, it's like beyond your understanding and you're like, what in the world? Yeah. <laughs> on to this. One thing that you're both illustrating in and that I have experienced too, personally, as a homeschool parent is you're that I just you can't get the time back with those kids. And again, I, I I'm not like dissing on other forms of education. And like you said, Renee, we reassess it every year and kind of see what they're feeling and whatever. But I and I say this, I've said this in other interviews, but it really is a bummer to think about them not doing that with their because it's lost. Like that the, the name of this podcast is This Golden Hour. And it's and I'm not saying it's like all is lost or something like that, but it's an opportunity to really learn with your kids in a way that you can't do ever again. And so it's so rich to be able to learn alongside, like you said, Allison, alongside them. And then to one thing that I've always lamented is that the idea of teachers watching that growth in these children, and they get to see that with lots of kids, which is very cool, a cool part of teaching. And I'm glad it's a positive thing. But as a parent, I just want to be able to behold that myself when they're, when they grasp a concept. Do you guys have any, like, I would call them like, like really poignant experiences, like that you remember or pivotal experiences where you were homeschooling and it just was like, oh, this is what it's about. And that's hard to think of because that's like a very 
specific experience sometimes, but, or is there a general thing that you think of when you think of, yeah, like this is when it's rocking or this is when it's flowing. Does anything come to mind when you hear that question? Yeah, I do. I would say, I think I'll, I'll go at it in this direction. So coming out of public school, I, how else do you do school other than you sit at a desk and a teacher teaches you? And so I think in the beginning, I was just recreating school in my home. Which and is very common, by the way. That's very, very, and it makes sense that you do that, right? Yeah. And so the more I read different philosophies and stuff, and I started to change. And I remember there was a morning my boys were on the sofa and we were reading a history book. And that's that was our morning routine. They could come in their blanket, they could lie on the sofa, read a storybook to chapter book to them just as they're waking up. And then we'd start our day. We'd normally do history first. Mm-hmm. We were sitting there and I think three hours had gone by and we were just deep in conversation. And my son would crack a joke and the other one would laugh. And then they'd be, you know, and they went off topic and came back on topic, went off topic. And and then they started debating. I don't remember what it was. They were debating something. And I thought, this is it. This is the moment. Hmm. We are in a relationship. He and his brother are in this relationship. I'm in a relationship. We're learning together. This is beyond just knowledge. This is something spiritual. It's this lifestyle, man. It's lifestyle. I love what you're saying. Yeah, people, exactly. Sorry, yeah. And so to me, that's just, it's those moments like that where I'm like, yeah, th- this is it. This is why we're doing this. Yeah. It sounds like that was, that experience was like the fulfillment of what you were not feeling when, like when you said in May, you're like, okay, no, this is too much time. And then that's so reinforcing to go, oh yeah, you can have these experiences. Thank you. That's really cool. I, I love that. It makes me think of, so I wrote my dissertation. I did a doctorate degree in education. I wrote my dissertation on home education, which was pretty crazy because I did my defense in front of six, they call them internal ex- examiners. So they're right there in the room with you. And then I had one external. It's usually one less than that, but I had one external examiner on Zoom. Anyway, so it was this, it was a tense situation because here I am defending this dissertation in front of all these public educators. And but one of the one of the things that I shared with them was that a very similar situation where we're all on our bed. And like all six kids are just strewn about and Sara was reading to them and I just got a picture of it and I showed that in my defense thing. And, and I was just like, this is what it's about, man. This is why we love this. And it was just like you said, I love the word spiritual. It's so fulfilling and touching and it's uh, strengthening as a family for sure. So Renee, anything come to mind in particular if it did? No, we're still winging it over here. No, that's good. <laughs> for that, waiting for that moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's cool about what you said was you've already experienced not only homeschooling, but a little bit of world schooling and maybe not even intentionally, but have you heard of that term world schooling? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was like, once we decided to travel, I was like, oh, let's go to Europe. Let's go world school. But then we're like, okay, let's tone it down and we'll yeah. do it. But yeah. yeah. So, That's yeah. awesome. What did you, like, how long did you do that for? Just like traveling around and. Um, it was like close to a year. Wow. What did you like? COVID COVID happened during that. So we took a little break to like quarantine or whatever, but we loved it. Well, me, especially and the kids, my husband, we still have to get him a little on board, but (laughs) we loved it. I loved that we could just learn in the world. And instead of pulling up our history book, we went to a museum and we learned about it. It wasn't hypothetical. You were, it was like, hands Yeah, we we learned about it. Like the previous year, my kids had learned about Mount Rushmore in school. And so we went and saw Mount Rushmore and just the excitement on their face. Like we learned about this, like we, like we're seeing this in person. So I love that about it, but not just that aspect of it, but just that 
we like our priorities were in one spot. Like we knew exactly what we were doing. We weren't have weighed down by activities and things like that. Like it was just our family, our school, like our priorities were right there. My kids were more well-behaved because we were out in the world outside. Yes. Like, like buildings or whatever. It was just so peaceful. I feel like. And would you do it again? Oh, 100%. I would. Yeah, 100%. I would do it again. That's really cool, man. I My Sarah's uh, brother and sister-in-law, so they home educate as well. They're up in Edmonton. But they they uh, go every year for about a month to two months. And they'll go, like, they always go wherever the surfing is good because her brother surfs all over the place. So they go to New Zealand and to Costa Rica and to Tahiti and to Barbados. Like, they've been all over the place. But they're, what I love about it is the education that their kids have had traveling. Like, they know how to, my kids are, like, wide-eyed at the airport and, like, what, what do we do? And, like, and those kids just walk around like they know what they're doing. And it's so cool, the education you have just by... I think through experiences. And so one thing I've one thing I've emphasized and that Sarah and I have loved doing with our kids is just local field trips and going to things that are just local. Because if you can't do that because your job or whatever holds you back from doing that, local field trips have been really cool. And so like navigating or, or finding out what's going on in your local area and taking your kids to it. Have you guys had any experience with that? Like field tripping or just like exploring your local surroundings? Yes. When we moved to Arkansas, we, the first thing I did was look for the homeschool group. Um, And I found one that was primarily the curriculum side and like, you can go and they'll teach your kids like a public school setting, but teaching homeschoolers. How did you find that group, Renee? What'd you do? Um, Just like Google, Facebook. Oh, okay. You just found like a Facebook group. Yeah. So we tried that out, but I didn't love it because honestly, like the part of homeschool that I love is teaching my kids. And I didn't want to send them off to someone else to teach them, even though I yeah. know that there's teaching with the same values. Like I enjoy teaching my kids those things. And so that's exactly how we feel. I, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. And so I found another group that is primarily like extracurricular, the social aspect, field trips, things like that. And we have, it goes from, I don't know how many miles, but we have like over 150 kids in our homeschool group. And yeah, there's just constantly field trips and things to do around the area within so many miles. And like last week we went and saw the caves and we went into a cave and cool and explored the biology and the chemistry and everything of the cave. And so like how many people are we talking? How many kids are the one for the caves? There was, I think, 95, including like parents and. Oh, holy cow. That's huge. I wasn't expecting. There was, there was quite a bit. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so we've enjoyed that. And I've slowly like at first, cause it was, we're very homebody people and we like just staying home, but I could tell my kids were needing like that social aspect. And so I made an effort this year and the last year to go out and make sure we attend those things. And uh, anyways, how I'm- often do you think you'll do that? How often do you think you'll like do like a field trip or go out um, and outing? They have them scheduled like weekly, but we go probably twice a month, maybe three times a month, depending what it is. Next week, we have a science fair that we're going to participate in. And so they do. Yeah. Anyways, they do tons of stuff. And I think that's um, like the part of homeschooling that everyone's those kids are just going to be so awkward. And so have no friends, but there's so many opportunities. And it's not just socializing with people your age, like you're socializing with people parents you're socializing with high schoolers you're socializing with little kids like a whole wide range of people that i think is more beneficial than just people your age 
Yeah, I find myself not even not like negatively, but I don't even entertain the socialization question anymore. Just because yeah. just are we serious? Are we really going to try to make the idea that that normal socialization happens within school walls? Apples fall from trees. Kids come from parents. For every weird homeschool kid, there's 20 weird homeschool kids. It's just and, and vice versa. Yeah. Who cares? Like, who cares? We're raising good humans and I don't know. And I don't, question. Like, I'm not like dissing on public school, but they just have different mentality, different yeah. values, different whatever that we have. And I don't necessarily want my kids socializing with those kids. Not yeah. that they're bad people. It's just not the same. That's why we homeschool, right? We want to be able to control the environment our kids are in and what they're being taught and learning and things like that. Yeah. Or you spend your time with the, the term I would use is like you spend your time reprogramming and there's a ton of reprogramming and it's true. Like it's just in, inevitably, it's just a culture. Anytime you get a group of people together, a culture forms and then there's, I don't know, there's all these different things. And so I I don't know the socialization question. I feel I find it's just, and people are open to it more. I feel like people are more cool about that. Um, I do want to ask you about your families here in a minute and how they've responded to your decision. But Allison, your kids are in a, a different uh, age stage. And so the Renee's, I feel like in that really golden time of where all the kids just come and they're not, they're happy to do it, but soon they will be 12 and 13 and <laughs> their interests will start changing. But how have you found that, Allison, when you guys wanted to go explore something or do something, how do you navigate that now as opposed to in the past? I'm lucky in this aspect. My So my 18-year-old, he is definitely college and all that type of stuff. So he's Definitely a little more not plugged in with us. He's not doing school with us. He hasn't been doing school with us for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But luckily, my 17-year-old, he is a giant kid at heart. He'll be upstairs. I'm I'm having him read some... I'm having him read Saving Leonardo right now, which is a pretty complex book. And he's up there reading and he hears us scurrying out the front door and he runs out. Where are you going? Where are you going? We're going to go to the park. We're going to go, I'll come too. I'm like, okay. So I I, I don't know if that's just because he's a boy or what, but still when we go the other day, I the little kids were going to go to the museum and I just told the big kids, I said, hey, we're going to the museum. Y'all want to go? Oh yeah, we want to go. We want to go. So, you know, even though they're doing their own thing and most of their education is definitely on their own at this stage of life, I still find them, they'll sneak down and get on the sofa while we're reading a book. Oh Yeah. Hey, we didn't read this book when we were kids. I'm like, no, your sister showed it to me. Oh, well, what's it about? Do you like it? And so they still, I think because those bonds are there, Mm -hmm. they still want to be a part of it. When they have their own lives and they do their own things, they they come back. I think they see the value in those moments of reading together and having discussions. And they're very quick to still come along on field trips and park days and all that stuff, which I is, love which to is hear really that. Fun to see. It yeah. sounds like you're blessed, Allison, to have a son at that age who's still that cool that want to do things with the other kids. I love that. I love to hear yeah. that. And I think that's fairly common when people, because I, I, in the last interview I had, he was trying to make it very clear. And I agreed with him that we don't try to just sanitize this and say, oh, homeschool is a dream. Oh, there's, it's just so easy. And basically he was saying a podcast like this is as effective and meaningful as it really helps people understand how to navigate through the difficult times. So what has been challenging for you guys? I think one of the, one of the real potential blessings of home education is the relationship, relationships with you and your children and also with each other, like the siblings. But what have you guys found as just like hard stuff, challenging things that kind of that choice to homeschool brings out? Challenging part for me, you're in first grade, you should be learning this, you should be at this stage, you should be at this stage. And then having to find myself 
this is why we're homeschooling. She does not have to be at this stage. Like she does not have to be doing this. Yeah. She, she needs to. And so that's been like a real struggle for me and trying to reverse that mentality. Probably because my kids were in public school for a little bit. And yes. And then going back to what Allison said, like putting the school in my home. And we've been homeschooling for four years and I'm still trying to go back to public, like going away from public school and just creating our own homeschool. Yeah. And like how we want to homeschool. So that's probably been the most struggle for me. Some days I feel like we just go through routines, go through the curriculum, get it done. And not so much as focus on my kids' strengths and what they're interested in, things like that. Yeah. Like we go through stages of life where we're really in tune with how they're learning and what they need to be learning about and helped with and stuff. And then other day, other stages where it's just. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, I actually, I love that you're saying that. And I bet you like the majority of the people that listen to this will, will, will that will resonate because that's a, that is a very common thing. And I would say Renee and to anybody like to, to just totally be patient with yourself that way, because nobody's going to do this ideally, first of all. And it does take time. I told, I grew up in this huge school in sh- the Chicago area. And that stuff is just ingrained. Yeah, but like, why is he not reading or what, what's up with this and whatever? Yeah, yeah. And what's hard about it is you don't know the end. But but like having studied it a bunch and now seeing kids go through it, and I'm not saying every family situation is the same, but I would love to just put more homeschool parents at ease and say it works out if you just keep at it, right? It totally works out in, in all the ways, not just academically, but in so many ways but you got to you got to stick to it and keep it not too heavy and but anyway so I, I really appreciate what you said there i think that people can relate to that allison any thoughts on that yeah i mean i think i would agree i think my biggest struggle is i was always scared okay what if i pick this curriculum and it doesn't teach them everything they need to know yeah or if i do charlotte mason and i'm not giving them tests and i'm not making them learn flashcards. How are they going to get into college? That's just not going to work out. And so I think there's just, there's a, for me, at least there was a lot of fear around it. And then I have kids with very different learning styles. I've got some kids that are ADHD and just always needing to move and other kids that just want to sit and read. And when, so then I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I do four different learning styles? I can't do this. I'm going to fail them all. They're going to look back and be like, I don't know anything. My mom failed me. Just all those fears, I think, that come into your head. But yes. but it is really true. The more you do it, and, and I'll agree with Renee too, there will be seasons of life. And this is the beauty of homeschool, at least for me. There are seasons in life where life gets tough. We get sick. Things happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have a baby. Exactly. You have a baby. Different things happen. And it's, oh my gosh, but I've got these kids and I've got to teach them. But the I think the beauty of homeschool is there are some days where we wake up and we're going to read for an hour and we're going to write a journal entry and then we're just going to chill and we're going to play games and they never fall behind. They never, or my kid, I've got a kid that started reading way later than what the public school says they should read. They read great now. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's like what you said, but yet there's these fears and you're nervous and it's all on you and, but it works out and kids are resilient and God, they learn. They're amazing. I, we don't, we definitely don't give kids enough credit because I'm not some amazing teacher. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, no, oh man. You, you said you guys have said so many good things right there. And even the, the term, like or the phrase fall behind, like that, that 
that pre-assumes this idea that you're falling behind something. And who, who's, who's deciding where people are supposed to be? And one thing I've been talking a lot about is that depends on what you're after. What is your, what is your main goal? I, I, one, one thing I want to remember to come back to is I want to ask you about your families and I want to ask about having babies and homeschooling. Cause we, I don't know why that is not like it's come up, but we haven't really like really talked about that. So maybe we'll talk about that with you guys. But if somebody just said to you, because there's so many learning styles and because there's your kids are different and you're, you have all homeschooling moms and dads have different levels of education and whatever. So what are the common threads that make it all good? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are the essentials? One way that I've asked it, and so maybe I'll give you both a chance to say this. If you had to say point form, here are like the essentials or the basics that really matter and everything else is just like gravy. What, what are the essentials? Three or four, two or three, whatever comes to your mind. Um, reading to your child. I feel every day you should read to your child. Amen. Um, I feel like that's the most important <laughs> Um, and then I, I I believe in a lot of like play, especially the young I mean, kids are younger. Yeah. So like we we are big game schoolers. Like we play tons and tons of games. Like today, that's Ooh. what we did. I don't have time for curriculum. Let's just pull out our games. We'll just play tons of games. And it's fun to see them. Like we pulled out one game and they were like, oh, this is another boring math game. And by the end, they're like, "Ooh, you can do it this way. We got this. Yeah, game. they don't want to stop playing. And like, it's just fun to see it like click in a funner way than because my one kid was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm like, all right, go ahead. Pull out your math book and, you know, you yeah. can do the <laughs> pages or you can come play these fun games, right? Like we're big game schoolers, but I, I think play and like reading aloud to your child and then Honestly, just, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Well, no, keep keeping. I just want to comment on that. If you, if you think of something else and then Allison yeah. after, but like one thing in Charlotte Mason and in several homeschool philosophies is this idea that play is work. And when I've observed that, like play is work, man, their minds are rocking. Their creativity is engaged. And when people hear that and they're just like, oh, come on and roll their eyes. I just go, no, 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 this is a real thing. And I don't think, mo I think most people would agree with that, especially with the younger ages. Like when that level of creativity is coming out, take it, take kids to a lake or a beach. And we think we have to have all these toys, dude, you don't have to have anything. Like you just go there and those kids create and it's, and that's all people. I'm not saying that's homeschool kids. That's all kids. They need more time to just do that and, and explore. But anyway, carry on Renee. And then Allison, if you had no, go ahead, Allison. Hey, yeah, sure. Oh. I, guess, I guess for me, so I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan. Um, I'm, and, with, I'm with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I like what Jordan says, that if you can think, speak, and write, you're a force to be reckoned with. Mm. And so we do a lot of rhetoric. And I teach my kids a lot. Like I tell my kids, I'm not a science buff. But now I have this daughter who... She has a horse. She's thinking about doing animal science and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, you're on your own, honey. Mom's <laughs> not there with you on that one. But I always tell the kids, I'm like, if you can read well, if you can articulate your thoughts, if you can write well, then you can do anything. Mm. And so I'm like, maybe we're not big science buff people, but if you can read really well and understand and ask the right questions and draw out information... You can study and learn anything. Mm. So on. So I always say we have to read, we have to write, and we need to have good discussions. And beyond that, everything else falls under that. You look at any other, any career, it all boils down to can you read? Can you write? Can you articulate your thoughts? Can you have a discussion? You, you can do that. You can do anything in life. 
And so we really focus on that. If we're going to have a wash of a day, we're going to read and we're going to write. So for me, those are the core things for us, at least. So I love it. I love it. And maybe comment just, uh, and whatever comes to your mind here, I didn't like prep you for this, but comment a little bit on living books because Charlotte Mason is huge on living books. What have you guys done with that idea? Because what you just said is the essence of that, but what are living books and... I don't know if I could define them very well, but I don't know. It's like you were saying with the science and with with any subject matter, living books, yeah. the practical application of it, where you just go, instead of going in a very typical way is to have a textbook and then to go through exercises. But Charlotte Mason teaches, if you just read, like kids don't even know they were doing science. Like they're doing, right. so they read about, for example, there's a book called Carry On Mr. Bowditch. I don't know if you guys have read that to your kids. It's one of my favorites. But Carry On Mr. Bowditch is basically teaching math and science. And it's not in a very technical way, but these living books of living examples of real people who have done some some subject, it is magical. Yeah. I just attest to that, that it really does provide the education very aligned with what Allison was saying about thinking, writing, reading, articulating. Like it's awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 And now I see where your question was going. I'm sorry about that. Um, Yeah. We read the book on Galileo and it's not necessarily a textbook on, but you learn about his life. We learned, this is so embarrassing to say, I shouldn't say this, but growing up when I thought of Michelangelo or these guys, I saw them in one box. Now we're reading these books about their lives and we're learning about how they learned and the types of things they did and what they contributed to and all types of different fields of study and different types of things. And yeah, so living books are great because I think the great thing about living books too is it sparks an interest in kids. The textbooks don't. Textbooks are very, this is the human body and this is the way it works. Or But when you read about these scientists or you read about these historical figures and you really learn about their lives. We're studying the American Revolution right now. We were talking about Benjamin Franklin today and going to college at such a young age or how George Washington just a young age went out and just surveyed field, the land all by himself and just living out in the wild. And you start talking like, what would you do? You're 10 or you're 13 or you're 17. What if you just went and just left home? Just (laughs) go live by yourself somewhere and Good luck. But yeah, so living books are great because it sparks an interest in kids and then they want to learn more. And so, yeah, I love that about them where it's not the textbook. It's not just fact one, fact two, fact three, but you're connecting with these events and these people and yeah. So well, your, I, yeah. Example of, your example of Galileo and with and of Ben Franklin is perfect because like here you have these subject matters embedded within a story that is actually more engaging. And I'm not, and there's good textbooks. I, there's fine, but so much more engaging when kids are like on the edge of their seats because they love like they're waiting for the next day that mom's going to read to them the next chapter in one of those books. And they wouldn't say if a neighbor who didn't homeschool came over and said, "So, what'd you guys learn about science today?" They'd be like, "Nothing." You know, that they wouldn't know that they're learning science, but like inevitably they are. And like later on, like you said it bears the fruit. And I've seen that with our kids because that is nerve-wracking because you're like, "Man, we didn't do chemistry it, like the textbook." But like they learned how to learn and they learned how to read and they learned how to write and think and articulate. And because of that, they can just learn things. My my daughter, sorry, I don't mean to be long-winded. My daughter went through, all my kids have only done homeschool. And my daughter went to university last year and she's interested in right now, who knows if she's going to change it, but she's interested in uh, landscape architecture. And so she had to take this soils class at a university level. 
and never had done anything related to that. And so at first she was like calling us and be like, dude, I do not know what I'm doing with this. And then lo and behold, she went and talked to the, the professor and then she worked on it and she literally had did excellent in the class. And so I'm just like, man, that's just another affirmation of the stuff works out. Focus on your kids loving learning and focus on them learning to learn, knowing how to learn. And that's more important than specifics or subject matter. So that's awesome. Let's change gears here. I just want to ask you about your families. Have you had, how have your families responded to your decision to homeschool? And I really want to hear from Renee on this one, because I want to go back and just grill Charlotte. (laughs) My mom's always been supportive of everything. So I think she was... I, think I work with Renee's mom just to be totally transparent. And I don't know if it was like the whole homeschooling aspect, but the fact that we were selling everything and going out into the wild yeah. you know, without a home, without a the security of a home base that like threw my parents off a little bit. Like, Who was a little bit more scared, Mike or Char? Oh, definitely my dad. My dad was like, <laughs> oh, how can you do this? How can you do this? You don't have a house. You're not going to have like, a house to live in. But I, I don't think we've ever gotten anything negative or like... When we say something, they backlash. If you were in public school or like things like that, like they've all been pretty supportive. Yeah. And questions. What about your siblings? What have they thought, Renee? Oh, they haven't really said anything. I don't know. Like, <laughs> not like I said, I haven't had any like bad experiences with my family where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. That's actually really, I don't know. That's very, I don't know how common that would be an interesting survey to to survey homeschool families and to see and more and more like I'm like I've been so surprised that all of Sara Sara has three brothers and it's so cool that her sisters-in-law have all made the decision on their own at different times because their kids are different levels to home educate and that's that's such a cool like thing but it's it's also I, I like it that they've observed Sara and the way she does things and and have liked things and then asked their own questions and then paved their own way with it. Allison what about you how about your family? Well, I was going to say on our husband, yeah, go ahead. Like our husband, our husband's side, I feel like all the sister-in-laws have started homeschooling. Really? And so her, their whole family, I think, homeschools now. How many How many people? Because Julie homeschools. Yeah, Julie homeschools. Um, so they have five. Five boys. And one, four boys, one girl. Oh, okay. And we all homeschool. Allison was the first, so I think she's at the bar for that. And are they all around? Blame me. <laughs> are they all in the South? Are they all in the South there? Or we've all, yeah, we've all migrated to the South. We have one near mm-hmm. us and then the rest are in Texas. Oh, man, I want to come down. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. That's really cool to hear. Allison responded to that, but what about your side or whatever? Or what's been in your experience with that? Yeah, so my family, my family's very traditional. You go to school, you go to college. My dad got his master's degree. He's got an MBA. My mom's brother's a lawyer. Very traditional. So when I started wading in this water, they weren't <laughs> negative, but they were a little like, you Skeptical. might ruin these No, yeah, I, exactly. I, it's unchartered ter- uh territory for a lot of people. Oh yeah, for sure. I think they were nervous for a while seeing, obviously again, now that I have older kids and they've gone on, they took their college interest exams in Texas. My my 17 year old's about to take his, my oldest took his, got, got in, started his college classes. So I think they they saw that, oh, okay, you can actually go to college and be a homeschooler. You know, that I, I get that a lot. Oh, how's yeah. your kid going to go to college? Oh, they just, they can't go to college if they're a homeschooler. So, and I, Allison, I did, your, did your kids on that note, I don't mean to switch on it, but I, I, that's an interesting thing. And sometimes this, this is totally depending on where you live. 
But did, did your kid, what route did they do to do that? Like if somebody was in your area and they were like, man, if I'm homeschooling and I've got kids get, get, getting ready to go into post-secondary, did they have to have a high school diploma where they're going to school? What were the pre-requirements? What uh, entrance exams did they have to take? That kind of stuff. Okay. So in Texas, um, there is zero requirement for homeschooling. There's no oversight, nothing. We have complete freedom. So a lot of, so there's kind of two routes you can take. And my boy's friends have done a couple different. So they have a, a girlfriend, a, a girl, she played soccer, select soccer her whole life. And so her, she, her parents did a Becca, the Becca program. And so yeah. she just did freshman through senior year. And then she took her SATs and then she went to college on a scholarship and her mom just created a homeschool transcript and sent that in just like you'd send your high school transcript in and with her SAT scores and she went to college. And then my son had two friends and they were all bound for Ivy League, very his good friends at Harvard right now. And so when they were 16 in Texas, you can go to the local junior college and take a college entrance exam. So reading, I think there's some grammar questions, there's a math, and then there's a writing portion. Cool. So and kind of like you an pass, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And if you, pa you pass those and if you pass them, you can start taking college classes and getting credit. That and all. I just, I was like, okay, guys, as soon as you're, I think my oldest read, I think he took it when he was almost 17 hmm. and passed and went ahead and he took a couple classes at the local junior college. And so a lot, there's a lot of homeschoolers in Texas that I know that, that do that about when their kids are juniors in high school, they'll take that college entrance exam, start those, those, your basics, your college basics. They'll totally start right. taking those and then they'll transfer to a university somewhere, a four-year university. So yeah, your general, your general studies. That's really, I love that approach. Like we we're doing something similar where um, our kids, when they hit, you have to be 16 and you have to be going into grade 11 or your junior year. And they, we do what's called concurrent and we do it. There's definitely, there's tons of schools that do it, but I love the, it's a similar concept to the junior college way, but it, what's cool about it is it's concurrent. So you get university credit at the same time you're getting high school credit. So it's not just for homeschool kids. Any kid can do it. And then Any when you kid, go yeah. to university, you've got a semester or a year and a half done before you even enter. And so it's a huge money saver. And then yeah. they're learning, like you talked about writing and reading now you're, you know, all of a sudden, I remember thinking being so intimidated by, oh, I'm going to university and I have to read and write. And it's just the next step, man. And you can, and they're reading and writing at that level. And it's just, it propels them forward. So it's a great way to do that. Renee, did mm -hmm. you, you find that helpful to hear? Like, cause you haven't oh, yeah. entered that, you haven't started asking those questions, but inevitably you're going to be like, if I continue doing this, how do you navigate like them going into post-secondary and directly? Yeah. And I've already talked to Allison about how to, how, oh, like, good. what she did because her it or gone college and I'm like how the crap did you do that but yeah it's helpful I'm taking notes through this whole thing you know what I'm gonna say yeah it is I know and then and make sure you you listen to it and go back it'll be fun um, <laughs> I was just any did you guys have any other comments on that just the your families I because I, I went off I, I always get very tangential in these things but any other comments on families and just or even people in the community or do you guys have enough of a community support that you don't feel like you're not that you're not that concerned about that stuff yeah, we, there's quite a few people around us that homeschool. I feel like Arkansas is very homeschool friendly, like along, along with Texas, like we have no requirements to homeschool. Um, when you guys say no requirements, like, like you don't like have to have a, you don't have to have a, uh, what they call here is a school authority. So you don't have to have a, a, a school authority that you register your kids in. 
And no. then I would assume that you get no funding either. Yeah, we don't get funding. Yeah, we just funding. have to let the state know that we're planning on homeschooling our kids and then that's it. What do they call it there? Like a letter of intent? I feel like yeah, I've heard. Notice, notice yeah, notice of intent. Yeah. A notice mm-hmm. of intent. Okay. That's, uh, man, I like that freedom, man. I like that stuff. That's yeah, awesome. so we don't have to. So that was my question. We don't have to have tests or or like certain things that we need to teach our kids. Then like, how do they go to college? What do they look at? And so that's when the transcripts are going into the junior college. But And more and more schools are liking this. You still have people that are, I would say, are in an old school paradigm of tradition, what Allison was saying. And, and, and that's not ripping on anyone. It's just how it is that they haven't really opened their minds to an alternative way. So they want to see a diploma and a GPA and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And GPA is good because you can produce that as a homeschool family. But yeah, what I would encourage families to do is to make sure you have good records. So people don't have to get unduly concerned, but it's nice to have a, a a good record system because when you do get to that point, it's just nice to have it ready or else it's a ton of work to be able to prepare a portfolio and a transcript. But uh, schools are liking it, man. They see what kids have done and how deep they've gone. Homeschoolers tend to do more volunteer work and service-oriented stuff and job shadowing and stuff like that really schools love to see, especially postgraduate schools. And so that's something I've read quite a bit about, and it's it's good. It's a I think it's moving in the right direction. Let's go back to babies. How did you guys do it? Yeah. If a mom came up to you and said, dude, like, how do you function when you have a few kids or maybe you're, and then you have a baby and you're trying to homeschool? How do you no. do it? <laughs> you take a break, right? Isn't that, isn't that the joys of homeschool that you can take a break, whether it's a week that you need or two weeks or a month? We took, my baby ended up, he's almost a year, but he ended up in the NICU. And so I wasn't even home for two weeks. And Mm. then a week later, after being home, he went back into the NICU from like a respiratory virus. So I literally couldn't teach my kids, but that's the joy. Like I didn't have to pull them out of school or have, or range. I was lucky to have my parents here, but. No, that is awesome. So what does that look like? Homeschooling is like, we can take that break. And then if I feel like we need to make up the extra work, whatever, we can work through summer or we can just. But also, like, you don't have to do that either. Like, we're not on a timeline where it's like you have to be in school from September to May or whatever. But um, they didn't so get their yeah. work. What if they don't get their worksheets done in that month or their? You know what? I think about that all the time. And <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay? <laughs> I don't mean to be. I, I hope that doesn't. That probably sounds too cynical. And, I don't know, I know, yeah. and I'm not ripping on that. But I, I don't know. I've said it so many times. But I just feel like, man, if you are reading to your kids, loving them letting them outside once in a while. And because everyone does way more than that, like from from zero to grade nine or freshman year, you're good, man. But but, like, honestly, this is my first year where like summer came along and we didn't finish our curriculum and it stressed me out. We still have so many lessons and summer's here. This is not okay. But once I like, let it be okay. And we just picked up again after summer. Yeah. And normally we do some work through the summer just because my kids thrive off of the routine and the schedule. Amen. But we, took, we went to Canada for six weeks and I was like, I'm not doing school over there. And so we took summer off, but we just picked right back up and that's okay. That's fine. And I would say this, and this isn't, this is not that homeschoolers don't have a corner on this. This is not unique to homeschoolers, but you went to Canada for six weeks as if there was an education happening all the time. And I know that, that you people can look at that different ways. 
but the traveling, the time with family, yeah. wherever you were going outside, I know you guys camped a bit. That's all of that stuff is education. And, and again, it's not like homeschoolers only have that, but that is education, man. It's real. And, and like we make an effort when we travel that we do things and not just veg on the couch or whatever. But, yes. and I kept going back while we were traveling, going to all these museums. And I'm like, what 10 year old and nine year olds love history museums? <laughs> not many kids do. And my kids are always, we get to a new area and they're like, what are we going to go to? What are we going to see this here or whatever? And That's they cool. help me find and we make a list of the museums and stuff. But yeah, what normal nine-year-old yeah. wants to go to a history museum, right? Yeah. And oh man, bottle that and keep that going, Renee, as long as you can. Because <laughs> when they go through puberty, their things change, uh, as you might know. <laughs> And before we go to Allison, I just wanted to ask you one more thing because you said you take a break. But what does that look like? The kids are still waking up and they still have a full day ahead of them. So what are they doing all day when mom is recovering and convalescing and dad's at work or whatever, or grandparents are they? What does it look like? What is what's happening with your kids during that time, Renee? Like, I don't know. I'm sleeping. And then... life. I mean, <laughs> we play games together. My kids are huge readers. They read all day playing outside. When my mom was here, she was like cooking with them. I guess they're still learning, right? That's learning just in a different way. And that's like how I pictured homeschooling was like, not necessarily unschooling where we're not teaching, but like learning through doing everyday things. Yes. And I have to keep reminding myself going back, like, this is how I want, this is like my vision of it. And to take a step back and like, how can I incorporate that into our homeschooling? Then I go back to Allison's fear. We didn't do this worksheet. We didn't do this worksheet. Like, how do I know they're learning? How do I know they're progressing? How do I know that they're like on the right track? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I love what you're saying about I you've said a couple of times I go back to like why I did this. And what I've been talking about lately is uh, having like a ideally what I would encourage people to do is have a written purpose statement that you go back to. And then of course you can change it as you evolve as a mom or a, or a dad at homeschooling or as the kids evolve, but to go back to that and go, what is the outcome that I want for my kids? Because if somebody said, I just want like crazy mathematicians, well then what you do on a daily basis should reflect that end. Like, so begin with the end in mind and then work backwards from that. But if you're just going, I want, people can have tons of different things. I want, I was talking to my neighbor just a couple of days ago and he said, if I were to say, and he currently doesn't home, they don't homeschool their children, but he was saying, one thing that I really want my kids to do is love the outdoors. So that's one aspect of a purpose statement he would have. And so what are they doing on a daily basis to reflect that value and that, and that goal? And then you can weigh things against that. So you don't get unduly concerned about challenges with reading or learning a certain subject matter or finishing a particular curriculum because you go, here's what we're here's what we're coming back to. So I love that you've been saying that, Renee. You go back to your, okay, what am I why am I doing this again? And then stay true to that. And that can evolve. You can change it. So it should be a living document. Very cool. Allison, what would you what was the question that we were answering there? Oh babies. Yeah, babies. I was gonna actually play off of what Renee said. That's funny. I years and years ago read an article and it was like I don't know, 10, 15 things that your kids need to know before they go to college. Mm-hmm. And I laughed. It was cook a meal, do laundry. And, and I'm like, shoes. these are basic life skills. Yeah. But I began to realize, oh yeah, there's not a lot of time for that when you're always at school, when you're just so busy. And so I, I parlay that into having a baby or when life gets busier, you're at the NICU or you're at the hospital, this is the time when the kids get to practice the life skills. 
mm-hmm. the cooking, the doing the laundry, the folding, the helping, helping clean or do this or that because mom's sick or mom's with the baby or so. And if we really look at life, that is truly reflective of life. Mm-hmm. My husband has a job, but what happens when my son has surgery on Thursday and then my other son's got a doctor's appointment? you need to come home for a couple hours and help out and you got to push that meeting and you've got to rebalance things. And sometimes I feel like homeschool really affords kids that opportunity. Right now we are really in school. Next week, there's a lot of medical stuff going on. So it's going to be reading on your own and helping out and stepping up to the plate with life skills. And there's a beauty, I think, in that, that these kids get that opportunity. And so when they do get into the real world, and it's not just my job, I also have a a wife or kids, and I've got to juggle and balance, that's not going to be strange to them because they did that growing up. They had days where it was all school and days when then they had to serve and then days when they had to work. And so I, I think having that baby or having those little kids or these hard times in life, I think those are the times I think kids just really get to learn and really get to thrive. So I think it's hard. I'm not going to lie. And it's really scary. Renee said they didn't do their worksheets and oh my gosh, they're behind. Yes. But I think if you can keep in mind that, you know, they're learning so much, it's not a book and it's not worksheets, but they're still learning and they're still growing. And there's a beauty to that for sure. So I love how you said that. And if we could like, if we could preempt those situations when they're approaching and just be very deliberate about that with our kids and be like, hey, this is this is life, man. And this is a chance for you to really be more self-directed. In my last interview, we were talking about how homeschool kids by and large are so well prepared for university learning because they've been self-directed for so long. Most kids, when they get to their freshman year in high school, they're almost 90, 95% self-directed in their learning. And their mom or dad become facilitators of their learning and set it up. Like you said about your daughter with a horse, that might not be your thing, but but I would imagine that Allison is probably helping her, directing her with who to call and where to find materials and whatever. And so you become a facilitator and a director as a parent. Oh, there is so much in there that you said. I love that comment. Building off like her life. Yeah, go, thing, go. There's so many people that comment like your kid does laundry. Like my kid <laughs> does not know how to do laundry, things like that. And I'm like, my kid's clean my house more than I do. I don't have time for that. That's what they're for. Yeah. Not really. But they're learning these life skills because like she said, they have the time to do that. Once once they get home from school, it's like homework, bedtime. They don't have that time. So we're like teaching them because we have the opportunity and the time to do that. And it's amazing how many people are like my 12-year-olds or even my five-year-old, she's in our chore routine and she does laundry. Aww. She does the kitchen. She does oh, dishes. So it's not always easy it's i'm going back behind her and picking things up but they're learning right along with them because we can we can teach them those things and we have the time to do that thank you that is so well said and and the the term that i've been using in all these and and what i'm going to be using when i'm I'm putting together a course and stuff that i'm I'm doing and the the term that i use is the economy of the home i i don't i forget where i heard that initially but it is yeah. the beauty of the economy of the home. And that is such a great learning. And that happens in all families. Again, homeschoolers don't have a corner. However, the time that they're spent, or like Renee, like you said, it can be frustrating to be like, oh, dude, she's not going to do it very thorough. And I'm, But to go behind her and help her, that investment in their learning and in their development is so worth it. It's not only worth it for you as a family because they'll gain those skills, 
but their development and their confidence, like are you, the simple economy of, economy of the home can help teach kids uh, so many life skills, like Allison used that term. And, and so I love how you describe that. So good. And, and that's beautiful. Maybe one thing with that is, I, I haven't asked this in any of my interviews, but it just occurred to me. I just want to hear real quick. And then I have two questions that will, that will end. But tell me about bedtime and getting up. Because I haven't talked about that. And I don't know how other people function, but we're night owls, man. And and I love the flexibility. But our kid, like, I don't know that it's a good thing that we've established because Sara, you know how people say you wake up in the morning and you have the clearest thoughts? Sara thrives at night and she loves when all everyone's out of the way and she could go till two or three in the morning and just have idea after idea. But on average, we're talking between 12 and one. And so that's been our family through all 15 plus years of homeschooling. And uh, we've made little efforts like, oh, we're going to go to bed early. No, dude, we don't do that. We make homemade ice cream. We stay up late. We have our best discussions. Our best scripture studies happen at night. Anyway, tell me about your guys' nighttime and morning routines. And you can say anything you want with that. Family? Yeah. Personally. Anything you want. Well, our we are not night owls. I have one child that's a night owl. And so she stays up and reads in her reads, bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're pretty, we thrive on schedules and we're pretty consistent, like bedtime like story, like we read aloud before bed and then mornings, which is funny. It's different this year, last year, because maybe because they're getting older, but my 11 year old, they would get up before I even, I was up and be done like half of their school before I was <laughs> even awake. Oh, that's awesome. Um, because I knew as soon as they're done, they get the whole day to do what they want. So you so, just established a, like a clear routine with them and they just know. Yeah, how to we have a clear routine of what we do every day. Cool. And obviously we don't stick to that every day. Like today we ended up playing games all day. Yeah, because we yeah. Have time for everything else. But they know exactly what we do. They do their in, individual school and then we come together and do our together school. But like I said, like sometimes I'd wake up and they've already had breakfast and halfway done their school. And then some mornings it's really slow. We don't start school till 10. Yeah. It's just the vibe of the day and what we have going on. I like that. I like that. It's a, you got a set routine, but then it can be flexible and organic. What about for you guys, Allison? I would say I'm, I want to be a morning person. I want to so badly, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm a night owl. So is my husband. When the kids were younger, we try to get them in bed by nine and stuff like that. But especially as they've gotten older. Oh, heaven. Like nine is late. We're in bed by seven. Yeah. And we it's like, no, my <laughs> boys are, oh my gosh, my, my 17 year old at 10 o'clock, that's prime piano time for him. Oh, he cool. wants all the lights off on the house. He wants to play his music and his brother's across the room on his guitar. And the little kids are up there going, we can still hear the music and it's then just have a party upstairs. I don't know what to tell you. We've just become this. And and now they have all these amazing homeschool friends, these kids that come from these just incredible families. Oh. And we just moved. And one of the homeschool families is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Friday nights, I've got kids at my house till two, three in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> But they're out there and they're laughing and we're listening. And one night I went out there and they were talking about dating. And how to date Christ-like and how to, and I'm listening to these kids going, where did y'all come from? I'm like blown away at your age. I wasn't talking about this stuff. And so they, so unfortunately we're more of the late night family, but like you said, our best scripture discussions, our best, they happen at night. And so 
I used to really be hard on myself. We need to get up early. Yeah. I'm going to create lazy kids if I don't get them up early. But I've realized it'll be okay. My As my boys got older and they got jobs, and they had to be up at five in the morning. They set their alarm and got up. If we're just doing homeschool and there's nothing in the morning, they're sleeping in and I'm letting them slowly get up. And I do at some point, I'm like, okay, we got to get out of bed. It's getting late. But <laughs> but yeah, we're just more night owl people. And I try to fight it in the beginning. And now I just accept it. And like you said, it works out great. We have great discussions at night. We, I, There are nights my poor husband comes in, it's 12 and all four kids are in the bed with me. And he's, yeah. <laughs> there are two grown adult men. You guys are huge. You're both six, two, you're lying in bed. Oh. Then my 10 year old's on top tickling the 19 or the 18, almost 19 year old. And then oh, my man. daughter's trying to wrestle with the 17 year old, but I don't want to, you know, you don't want to shut that down. That. No, I don't want to lose that to be in bed. No, and you're, and you're making me feel guilty because I'm always the wet blanket. I'm always like, dude, go to bed, you guys. Like, Sarah, Sarah would have them up all night, man. She loves it and she hates when I interrupt it. And I'm like, when do I get to go to bed? And like, when do I get to talk to Sarah? And yeah, my husband feels your pain. He's the yeah. same way. Get out of yeah. our bedroom. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I was going to say one of the things because I we've done that too. Like, one thing that t- Sarah has taught me is I my tendency is to put a rule in place. And I've had to slowly get out of that. And so the less rules, the better. Sometimes you need them. But my personality is structured and her, hers is too, but she's just probably more insightful than I am. But And so one thing that we've tried to do is say, hey, let's do a bedtime or whatever. And they don't work that well because we want those experiences that you're describing, Allison. But the funniest thing, my my son is is serving a mission for our church. And you go for the first, when you speak a language, you go for the first couple months to this training center. And so he goes in and he's loving it. He's learning Farsi, which is Persian because my wife's half oh, yeah. Persian and he's going to California and speaking Farsi. And he's loving everything. He likes the routine. He's getting up on time. I don't think it's easy for him, but he's getting up on time. And one of the things that we do because we stay up late is we always eat late. So like literally people come over, we're having dinner at 1030, 11 o'clock. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) And that's like regular or a second or like the second meal, whatever, because everyone's up. We just go, let's get some food. And but in this mission training center, dinner's at 430. And so he's just, everything's good. And they have to go to bed at 1030. I think that's not that easy either. But like eating at 430 has been like the hardest thing for him because he's, wait, is this like my last chance at eating, you know? (laughs) And so anyway, that's been a funny thing to think about. Okay. I just have a couple more questions then we can close it down. One thing I just want to hear from you both briefly is like, how do you guys get time? Like, how do you replenish yourselves? uh, This, uh, as beautiful as things can be, there are so many challenges to homeschooling. And principally, it's the mother doing the lion's share of the homeschooling. How do you replenish? Like, how do you fill your bucket after so much investment into your children? This one's a tricky one. Um, So, I mean, that goes along with my bedtime routine. Like, my kids need to be bed at a certain time so that I can have, like, my me time because I don't get it. Yes. Um, But also, and I don't know if this is normal for all, like, every other family, but my family is very good at like independent play and playing with each other. And now they're at the stage where they're not taking naps and things like that. Like where I will get a couple hours in the afternoon because they, they play play by themselves. Right. Like I don't need to facilitate play for them, which I get a lot of comments from my friends that are like, I feel like I have to be entertaining my kids 24 seven. I don't know how I would do that all day long. Yeah. But my kids are very good at that. And then there are some times when I feel like I need a break. 
I, and sure. it's okay to take that break from homeschooling if you get to that point or. And what will you do? What will you do for a break? Even just taking a break from teaching. Like yes. yeah. taking a break. Everyone's, you can tell everyone's just on top of each other. Everyone's just needs a break. Mom included. Like it's okay to take that break. But then also I thrive off of, I'm a really homebody, but I also love social interaction. Yes. Like not big groups, but like there's certain people that I like need the social interaction with. And I've had to teach my kids this too. If I want it, I've got to plan it. I've got to reach out. I've got to do this because everyone has their own lives. Everyone's busy. And it gets busy uh, and then you don't, right? Yeah. And my kids, some of them are struggling with friends, right? And they, they feel like they don't have friends. And I'm like, you have to make that effort. Mm-hmm. Even me as an adult, I have to reach out to my friends and be like, hey, I need a girl's night. Let's go do this. I need to, we can't expect, I don't know if this is coming out, but we can't expect others to make us feel better. If that makes sense. We need to do the work ourselves to have that fulfillment. And we're the ones that know what we need. Yeah. We have a role. Even Even like for birthdays and stuff. I feel like you set yourself up for failure, expecting your husband to give you what you want for your birthday. Like, oh. Tell them what you want. Like, you're the only one that, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're I'm the so, one that can make you happy. Like, you can't. I'm so mad at you for bringing people, that up. <laughs> you can't expect other people to know what you need because you're the only one that knows how to fill your own cup. And so, oh, I'm so glad. Actually, I'm not mad at you. I don't know. So does that, does that even make sense? That. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. And I'm glad you're saying that. I'm going to make, I'm going to have Sara listen to that because <laughs> I'm so bad well, at hey, that. I'm still horrible at and that. She's but. <laughs> so good at that though. She's so good at that. And I'm not. And I'm like, oh, that's like her love language. And I like am terrible at that. So I have lots of. Um, but, I mean, I struggle still with it. Everyone's busy and it's, oh, I haven't. Like my friends hasn't asked me and I feel like I'm always the one reaching out and I'm always the one, but I need it. Maybe they don't need it, but and so yeah. you just gotta I'm make yourself vulnerable. Kids that too. Like they want friends. They got to go make friends. They got to reach out to the friends. They got to make the effort because they're not going to do it. Not that they don't like you. It's just, they have their own lives. They have their yeah, own It's hard. They have you their, don't own needs, be... their own wants. Right. Yeah, you don't want to play the victim, but yet you got you have a role to play in that. And then, real quick, Renee, before I go to Allison, what's your what do you see as like your husband's role in helping you fill your bucket? And like, what, like how can he help you make sure that you're feeling replenished so you don't burn out? Because it's easy to burn out when you're with your kids all the time. Yeah, just being there and being emotionally, physically, being able to dump on him, and then also being there to watch the kids so that I can go out. Yes. Or it's nice. My husband works from home. And if I need to go run an errand, I can go kid free because there's a huge difference going with six kids and no kids just to have just him being there and being willing to um, step in when he needs to. Yeah. Which he's great at. Like tonight we had activities all night and I came home and dinner was being cooked and Instead of having to come home and cook dinner on top of it. Oh, you're worn out, man. Yeah. That's good. Thank you very much. Allison, respond to that one. Like, how do you replenish and what's your husband's role and whatever you want to say with that? Yeah, I think for me daily, my kids are a little older also, but we always have a mid break in the day. I think because we do so much together in our learning. And so they all kind of scatter throughout the house, do their own thing. And I retreat to my bedroom. I'm going to go read. I'm going to go do my own thing. And it just gives me a little quiet time. And so I really like having that. And then my husband and I, we try, especially in the evenings after dinner, I'll clean up dinner and stuff. And then we either go for a run or a walk and just 
decompress, talk about our day, talk about the kids, talk about things that are going on. And that really helps as well. But I think also, like Renee said, getting out with other moms, your friends, anything to just, yeah, refill, fill your bucket, have girl time, talk about things other than the kids all the time, because you homeschool, that seems to be all you talk about, it's all that's on your mind at times, at least for that's me. That's still probably what you principally talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Probably. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. And not even just like getting away with friends, but even just as husband and wife stepping away because yeah. sometimes that's hard too, to get away when you're home with the kids all day. Yeah. No, he works from home too. And he's here all the time. We make, we make a joke. He's always sick. And I'm like, it's because you don't go outside. You don't see the vitamin D, but you just be inside <laughs> all day long. So yeah. it's, for both of us, it's good to plan that time to step away. And yeah, no, that's wisdom. I, mean, I didn't feel like with public school, it's important to do that. Right. Like totally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it, like, again, all of these principles, I've, if you guys have listened to any of those past podcast uh, interviews that I've had, I just like homeschooling the name doesn't totally fit because this, the principles apply to all families. Like in my opinion, I think that these are principles that are universal. And, and, and I think that people and and lots of families that their kids go to school are employing a ton of these, a ton of these things. The, The only difference is there's just so much time concentration for homeschool parents. And so they're Moms in particular, they really need that because once your kids get to a certain age, sometimes moms find themselves home alone and it's nice. And, and so when you're when you've committed to homeschool, you've really done this long-term commitment to facilitating learning with your kids and, and for and, and it's rewarding, but it, it, it's also taxing. So last question and then we'll wrap up. Just uh, if you guys tune into this and as listeners, what kind of stuff do you want to hear talked about? Like, what are some things that you would find most beneficial to hear discussed by other people? Do you want to hear how it's bliss? Do you want to hear the problems? Do you want to hear just their stories? Like, what kind of stuff are you like, man, I want to, I'd love to hear that. I love hearing about, this is bad to say, but I love hearing about people's failures and Mm -hmm. how they like overcome them. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, we all are failing, but we don't all know how to fix the failing. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I know it's not going to be the same for everyone, but I, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. Go ahead, Allison. Yeah, I was that's actually the exact same thing I was going to think of say is that I like to hear people's stories and I like to hear where they failed and how did they fix it and what worked better and cuz mm-hmm. I don't know, I just learn I learn that way. I hear people say I had this problem, I fixed it this way and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I should try that." Sometimes it yeah. works, sometimes it doesn't, but I love yeah, I that's a for at least for me. I mm-hmm. love to hear that. And I feel like that goes back to like how homeschooling there's so many different styles of homeschooling. Yes. And I don't even know half of them. I don't know Charlotte Mason or whatever, but mm-hmm. I love learning about all the different styles too. I'm sitting here googling Charlotte Mason now and <laughs> And living books and things like that. Like yeah. different homeschool styles too. I like learning about those. That's awesome. You guys are so insightful. Yeah. And I want to, I want to think about that and then maybe even do some side episodes that really talk about the real struggles that people have. And I think that could be beneficial. Oh man, there's so much we could talk about, but thank you so much for taking time. I know it's 1030 your time. Is that for both of you? Yes. yes. Okay. Thank you. And uh, Renee probably would have been like three hours ago. So I'm sorry. To keep <laughs> you, up you guys, thank you so much. This is going to be a great one for listeners to hear. And we'll definitely get in touch again. So thank you again. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. That wraps up another edition of this Golden Hour podcast. If you haven't done so already, I would totally appreciate it if you would take a minute and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps out a lot. 
And if you've done that already, thank you much. Please consider sharing this show with friends and family members that you think would get something out of it. And thank you for listening and for your support. I'm your host, Timmy Eaton. Until next time, remember to cherish this golden hour with your children and family.